Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. It is Wednesday, June 22nd, and I'm your host, Vincent Shen. So we're pre-recording the consumer and retail show for this week, so I can round out what has actually kind of turned into an informal sin stock trilogy uh, from the past few episodes. So first, it was talking about alcohol with Asit Sharma. Then we had the gun industry discussion with our intern, uh, Minasha. And now I have Fool.com contributor Seth McNew here in the studio with me to break a cardinal rule and tell us some of the latest developments in what has been happening in Vegas, not staying in Vegas anymore. So, how are you doing, Seth? Good, Vince. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, this is your first po- time on a podcast, right? This is my first time with the Molly Fool podcast. Okay, sweet. So, we've had two people this week who uh, had their first time uh, you know, on a podcast in, in the studio here with us. And uh, I have to say, Seth, you your experience for what we're talking about today uh, with Las Vegas and the gaming industry there is particularly relevant since that's where you just came from, right? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, that's right. I just moved back from Vegas just a couple months ago, uh, just a couple weeks ago actually. I was there for the last couple months, and so uh, I was working as an acrobat with Cirque du Soleil. Yes, I love this aspect of it because <laughs> I think it really kind of gives you some insight into, you know. I feel like the different things that some of our writers do. And so, you know, on the one hand, you're like flipping through the air, doing these awesome stunts. And on the other hand, you're giving us some really good insight too into, I know you cover some of the apparel uh, companies, the sports apparel, and then also uh, some of the gaming companies who we will be talking about today. So, yeah, and I'm super lucky because I, uh, as working as a, f- a freelance acrobat for a few years now, I've gotten to travel to Macau and Singapore and all these gaming hubs and kind of report. Meanwhile, on all these places and what's happening around the world in gaming. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so diving right into, I think today we're gonna kind of focus a little bit about how, you know, Vegas is becoming this changing environment. It seems, and then you know, look at some of the new developments there. And I'd love to hear your about your firsthand experience with them. And then we can talk maybe a little about what the companies, uh, some of the specific. Uh, bigger names like MGM and Win, what they're dealing with, what they're seeing in Vegas, if that works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, just to give everyone, uh, you know, a brief overview, I guess the idea is ultimately, you know, this isn't really the Las Vegas of the past or even a few years past, uh, as Seth uh, had explained it to me before the show. It's kind of like it's. Just kind of getting cleaner, it seems. Maybe a little bit more upscale. We know that Wynn tends to cater to that kind of clientele, and he's definitely one of the leading names there. But just some quick info that I had from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. So since the turn of the century, so about 15 years, you know, visitor traffic to Vegas has been up about 20 percent, whereas gaming revenue is up about 25 percent from 7.7 to 9.6 billion dollars. But it's actually down from the peak which they hit in 2007. And it seems like from their visitor profile, where they kind of lay out a lot of things like first-time visitors, uh, repeat visitors, what they're doing, where they're spending their money, uh, visitor profile shows average expenditures for food and drink is up 6.3% from in the past uh, four or five years. Uh, spending on shows, which is something that you're uh, intimately familiar with, is up 30.3%, so really impressive there. And then for sightseeing, it's up about 45.1%. Shopping was down in 2015 for, uh, compared to 2011, but the previous year actually showed growth of 15.8%. And uh, the last thing I think that really kind of hammers this home is the fact that the percentage of visitors who gambled in Vegas was down four percentage points from 77% to 73% uh, over the past four or five years. So, in your view, like, you know, how are are you seeing this in person? How things are changing in terms of you know these companies seemingly focusing on other areas outside of the casino floor? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think even if you had been in Vegas five, ten years ago, you'd really see a change now. It, it's much more family-focused. The casinos are really cleaning up a lot, even out on the Strip. It's really everything's cleaned up a lot, and uh, there's a lot more options to do as well. So once you get from the airport, you know, it used to be that you'd go straight to the casino tables, and now there's so many more options. You have a really nice hotel, you go see a show, you have a nice dinner, and then gambling might be a small part of that, but definitely not the entire trip. Okay, okay. And uh, so for gaming revenue, uh, I think I saw somewhere there, it, you know, it's portion of the amount of money that basically the city and Clark County are kind of drawing in has decreased. And um, a lot of that comes from like the new developments, uh, such as the arena that re- opened recently. So I think you've seen some of these. What do you think so far? Like, can you describe them a little bit, what your experience has been? Yeah, and what you're talking about with those, that gaming revenue is from the last time I read on that LVCVA, that's uh, down to about a third of the total revenue that the city brings in. Which is really surprising when you think about Sin City, because it's always seen as like you know the gambler's paradise but obviously that's no longer the case yeah i mean one one third of it people are much more interested in going and having having all these other options to do other than just gaming so and, you, some, and some of those options are yeah so you mentioned the arena so the arena's uh just opened up in april and this is mgm's kind of new vision for that part of the strip that's on the very south end of the strip okay and it's uh there's a, a whole area outside they call the park and it has restaurants and shops and uh bars that you can kind of hang out at. And then the arena itself is this massive gold bronze structure that seats 20,000. And so in there, you're going to have concerts, conventions, and uh, hopefully an NHL team. Yeah, that seems to be the big push uh, from uh, when I was doing the research for this show that that might be the first major sports team that they actually get in Las Vegas, right? Because you guys don't currently have any other major uh, franchises. Right. right, and so they're pushing to have an NHL team there, and it sounds like it's going to happen. It's so is they're pretty them. close to closing a deal? Yeah, it's between them and a couple other cities, but it sounds like Las Vegas is going to get it. Okay, okay. So that seems kind of jarring to me, because when you came into the office today, you were saying how the weather is so incredible <laughs> around here, because it's like 115 degrees, right? Yeah, it was really hot when I so left in Las Vegas. So the fact that, you know, in that kind of environment, to have ice hockey, professional ice hockey just seems kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's so hot outside and every building you go into is just a refrigerator. Yeah. It's, it's great. Okay, and uh, you mentioned the park a little bit, so uh, it seems like the with the restaurants and the bit, little bit of the shopping there almost kind of like feeds into the new arena and they kind of feed into each other, right? Yeah, right, and I think that's also part of MGM's plan. You know, they're, they're planning on having a little, some, some residential spaces there as well, so kind of making it a community within the Las Vegas Strip. So you don't just have all these massive casinos. Here you have this nice outdoor area, some nice small restaurants and bars, a little bit more outside walking space, and people can walk right up to the arena. There's going to be some residential spaces, more outside use. Okay, and uh, so how familiar, uh, this is kind of coming from the left side here, but how familiar are you with overall like the geography of the Strip? Because I know that things have changed a little bit where with uh, the the... I think in the 90s, like when I went there as a little kid, it used to be like uh, the MGM Grand and Caesars Palace were like the focus of the mm-hmm. strip and where a lot of the action was. But then uh, Steve Wynn kind of changed it up when he opened up the Wynn Resort and also the, uh, what's the other one called? It's the Wynn. There's the, the Venetians there on that side of it too, all yes. on the north end of it. So yeah. that in the north end, exactly, it seems like that is becoming kind of more of the, the nexus of where all the activity is. Have you, is, do you feel like, Traffic is generally pushing up towards the north end, for example. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because the strip itself is about four miles long. You know, it's it's quite a, a big piece of land. But you have on the south end, which is where T-Mobile just built the arena. Uh, MGM is really just just dominating that area. Okay. And so then you have the south end, and that's where, as you kind of get north, you have the Bellagio, all these other MGM resorts. And then on the other side, you have the Wynn, and you have 
you know, Venetian and, and all these other casinos. Um, and also on the north end is Resorts World Las Vegas is being built. And so this is by the Malaysian company Ginting. And it keeps getting delayed, but eventually it's going to be a massive Okay, so I've new. seen a little bit about this. Could you just tell us, uh, tell the listeners too, uh, basically what to expect? Because I, I think last I saw they were putting like $4 billion, I think, into this. It's yeah. a huge project. Right, and, it, and it's massive. It's such a big piece of land there. Uh, it, it does seem that it's been halted, at least, or, or slowed. You barely ever see construction crews out there, and it might just be that they're waiting for some sort of certification or something. But it's going to be huge. It, it's, it's a huge plot of land. It's right across the street from the wind. And uh, it's supposed to be like a combination of, uh, I think they said, hotel rooms, like tons of hotel rooms yeah. being added, and then also like convention space and things like that, right? Kind of touching on what you mentioned, hitting beyond the casino. Right. And they're talking about having a, a great wall replica, live pandas. You know, oh, this wow. Asian themed resort, they have a, a terracotta warrior exhibit. Oh, wow. So a lot to see there other than the casino. But okay. it kind of caters to seemingly the same audience that Wynn does, which is kind of more of an upscale audience. Okay. So. Uh, you know, those are some of the you know the new developments, the, the new construction that's opened these projects that these companies are are, are focused on. But if we kind of hone in a little bit on the companies themselves, is there anybody you'd like to start with? Yeah, well, well, MGM. When you talk about Las Vegas, I mean, MGM is the one who's dominating there right yeah, now. Yeah, of course. And especially in terms of hotel rooms, they have more than a quarter of the hotel rooms in Vegas. Oh, and that's the, their share. Okay, yes. Right. And so, so when you talk about MGM new development, and when you see M, you know, they're continuing to put out things like the arena. Uh, continue to build new convention centers at places like Mandalay Bay. You know they're really they're really focusing on Las Vegas, which is different than other companies like Las Vegas Sands, which is very focused on Asia right now, building in Singapore and Macau. Do you feel like Las Vegas Sands, as a result, uh, especially because I think a lot of people who follow this industry know that Macau, being such an important hub for these companies, the fact that it has been struggling so much over the past about year and a half, I think now that's they're taking a bigger hit as a result. Yeah, and they are. And Las Vegas Sands is kind of the one who has put the most investment into Macau. I think as things turn around in Macau, which it looks like it's starting to already this summer, I think you know you're going to see those companies that have put most investment there kind of get some returns on that finally. Uh, but it's a very different play, you know, when you're talking about the the U.S. market, which is very much, you know, more focused on entertainment and hotels and nice restaurants, and then Macau market's very much VIP gaming. So you're you're seeing this this odd switch of which companies are focused more on the actual gaming, like Las Vegas Sands are winning, which companies are focused more on the full entertainment. Yeah, and it's in, in the end though, it seems like Macau their their transition uh, is mirrors somewhat, maybe not to the same extent what's happening in Vegas, in that they're understanding that. Once the essentially, you know, the government administration started cracking down there on some of the VIP gaming, they knew they needed to be able to kind of diversify a little bit the sure. revenue base. And you know, a lot of these companies and their stocks have taken a hit uh, after what happened in Macau and seeing those every month those year-over-year declines in the gaming revenue. So absolutely, and uh, you know, the government's really working on that in, in China to to make sure Macau diversifies further. And they're so close to mainland at the Zhuhai area where you have lots of you know they're building a new theme park there as well. So they're really oh, okay. focused on making sure that becomes a family resort island, not just this gaming mecca. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so uh, we touched on MGM a little bit, and uh, it's you know some of the developments that they've had and their kind of dominance uh, where you mentioned in terms of on the strip. Uh, who else? Wynn is also you know developing a lot in in Las Vegas. They they were another company that got hit pretty hard in Macau, and so I think they've been happy to switch from focus to Las Vegas right now. Uh, they're definitely putting a lot of investment in there, and I think they understand that the risk of Wynn. That resorts world casino opens right across the street. They're going to have to have something to offer. Okay, uh, so 
I recommend to our listeners right now who haven't seen it yet, but Wynn recently had an uh, investor analyst day in a presentation, and I think it's worth kind of reading the transcript from that if you can uh, uh, find a copy of it because it is unbelievable some of the things that Steve Wynn says. Like every single time he gets on these conference calls, it is just you don't know what he's going to say. Right, absolutely. But that's part of like the almost like cult following I feel like he has. Uh, among the gaming industry, because he has really been a visionary, you know, changing things up. You know, when things were focused on the south side of the strip, being able to push a lot of activity to the north side, and then uh, some of the new resorts or the new resort that he uh, has been developing in Macau, for example, definitely a visionary in the industry. But that call, he, it touches on some things like focusing on the more uh, upscale clientele and how that will always be their focus because. You know, generally, even the people who don't necessarily fit that part of their market want to be in a place that feels luxurious. Um, so, I've seen a little bit about their Paradise Park plans that you mentioned, where they kind of want to change the the golf course that's behind Win Encore now. That's mm-hmm. what it was called, the Win Encore, and open up this huge lagoon, like do fireworks shows uh, potentially on the lagoon. You can do like parasailing and just crazy kinds of events with, of course, plenty of shopping, plenty of uh, I think another thousand hotel rooms, and. That hasn't started yet, but again, just kind of like a push that Wynn is making in that region, right? Right, absolutely. And that, just like MGM, you know, they're wanting to diversify outside of gaming. And so I think this is the best way they can do it is take that existing property and really spice it up, you know, make it a lot more interesting to people. So uh, a quote uh, from that transcript here from uh, Wynn, he said, There will always be that 40 odd million people here. And what I'm saying is, I want to give them something to do. I don't give a damn if they put a nickel in a slot machine. I want them to pay my admission. I want them to stay in my rooms. I want them to drink my booze and eat our food. So I feel like it's really indicative of the, you know, the the shift again from that really casino focus where it's like everything else was here to sustain the gaming business. Now everything is there to it's it's much more I feel like symbiotic and they're sustaining each other more so. Sure. And I think you see that switch in, in how it's it changed from the gambling industry to the gaming industry and how now they call themselves integrated resorts, you know, not casinos. Uh, okay. So even like little things like that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so um, unless there's anything else about when you wanted to touch on, uh, maybe we could move on to Caesars and, and some of the more not so much positive issues <laughs> that they've kind of run into recently. Yeah, Caesars is the most interesting company in Vegas right now. Uh, everything that they're going through with their potential bankruptcy is just fascinating to watch every single week. So, can you just, uh, give us uh, and the listeners who maybe haven't been following this just a quick rundown of what's been going on? Sure. Well, I think you know, with Caesars, they they only went public in 2010, and that's because in 2000, 2008 they were bought out, and so they were already under uh, some 25 billion in debt, mm-hmm. and they just weren't able to make it. You know, they missed out on Macau, they missed out on all these growth opportunities. Yes. So they've kind of just struggled, and then in 2014 they started shuffling these these liabilities into their subsidiary called um, CEOC, and then in 2015 they let that go bankrupt. So now all these bondholders are. You know, saying that's not fair. We're going to sue. So they started this lengthy battle, and it's kind of been in the courts ever since. Okay. Uh, but the most interesting part is that then this uh, one of the auditors or whoever it is that from the bankruptcy court that has to investigate this, he came out with a scathing report about how it it looks like Caesar is going to owe a lot of money to these bondholders. So and he's given them a certain amount of time that they're able to negotiate with the bondholders. Okay. Okay. So uh, any view? Do you think? Uh, you know, the company coming out of this will be able to, you know, kind of refocus and strengthen it for its business. Or do you think that right now it's just kind of the situation is still too tentative and you want to too uncertain? 
it, it's pretty uncertain. It, it looked like they weren't going to be able to find a settlement with the bondholders, and if that's the case, and the bondholders win their suit, the parent company is likely going to go bankrupt as well. And then in that case, you know, we'll see what what rises from the ashes. If they yeah. are able to settle and they're able to let COC kind of go by the way, and the parent company continue on, it Caesars actually owns an incredible number of properties mm-hmm. and a lot of assets that it looks like it could probably turn into another powerful company. Okay, okay, okay. That's definitely uh, good info to keep in mind. Uh, any other companies do you want to focus on, or uh, or any, I guess, takeaways uh, from your you know, first-hand experience, having been there the past few months, that uh, you think that investors might be interested here? I mean, Vegas is pretty incredible. If you haven't been, it is so cheap to go. It's worth it just as an investing tool to go check out Vegas and see what's happening. Okay. And I was blown away too because you mentioned the flights from Colorado Vegas, twenty five dollars <laughs> one way. I was, that is the same cost I pay for a bus ride back home. So that really amazed me. And uh, it's just it, you're absolutely right in that they kind of it's this it's definitely a nexus in that area. It seems for entertainment, and it will probably continue to be so for oh, some time. Absolutely, I agree. All right, well, thanks a lot, Seth, for being on the show. It was awesome having you on. Sure, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's no problem. So that wraps up our discussion for today, but you can continue the conversation with us via Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can send us any questions or comments via email to industryfocus at fool.com. You can also enjoy the other great podcasts from The Motley Fool by checking out fool.com slash podcast. And as always, people in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any of those stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!